No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. Live from America's Music City, it may be Saturday where you are, but it's Friday all day, every day, all the time with the tax doctor, the tax lady, the doctor of accounting known in these parts of America as the Dr. Friday, and right here she is live. Hey, Dr. Friday. Hey, John. How's life? Life is good, and it sure is hot here in Nashville, <laughs> i got to tell you what. But down about 10 degrees, so I think things are uh, things are going better. How looking about you? Up. Things are looking up. I'm actually in Knoxville, and it's hot here, too. Yeah, you're up there. Uh, of course, they get uh, they get a lot more uh, snow and sort of ice and cooler weather. Have the trees started yeah. turning yet there in Knoxville? Is it a little bit early for that? No. Yeah, it's still a little early for that. It would have been nice. I always love coming up to Dollywood and seeing the, the changing of the leaves. But, no, it's pretty much the same. They're expecting a little rain later today. But other than that, it's... Uh, it's a bit toasty. It's about 92 here. so. All right, about 92. Well, folks, you're listening to the Dr. Friday Show. By the way, if this is the very first time you have tuned in, you just happen to glance in because uh, that happens every week. What is this show? Well, this is the place where you get all the tax advice that you need, trying to fill out a tax return, or maybe you've got some love letter, as Dr. Friday calls it, from the Internal Revenue Service, or could be any type of a problem, just a general question. Dr. Friday says, you know, there are no dumb or stupid tax questions. I mean, you know, the answer is to get the answer. Why give the IRS any more money than they are entitled to? And one thing just very quickly want you to know about Dr. Friday, especially if you're new and have not heard the show before, she is an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service. Now, no, she doesn't work for the IRS. It's kind of confusing when you an enrolled agent with the IRS. No, she can represent you like an attorney would represent you in a court of law. One of the cool things about being an an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service is if you don't want to talk ever again to the Internal Revenue Service, you don't have to because she can work on your behalf, talk on your behalf, speak on your behalf, do everything on your behalf. That's Dr. Friday. We're going to tell you some other things about her too. But I'll tell you what, uh, I heard, I think, last week, Dr. Friday, it seemed like President Trump was talking about, well, I think I might... Uh, lower the payroll taxes or some other things. Is there, yeah. No, is that anything in the works that's going to help us for 2019 that might be coming up in terms of a tax revision? Well, there's there is quite a bit of talk to be quite a bit of talk. Um, but Donald um, or President Trump, he um, yes, he was talking a lot about the the payroll, which uh, I know many people jumped on board. But it is really at this moment just talk. There has been nothing uh, put through as a, a even a potential bill or anything else. Um, there are still some educational credits and, and solar credits and uh, even electric car or hybrid car credits. Those are all still there. So everyday, ordinary people type uh, credits that are available. There is some talk about possibly bringing back some of the uh, employee reimbursement um, uh, credits, uh, but like I said earlier, none of those have actually passed into law, any of them. All right. So in committee, would you say at this point, or even not even there yet? Not really even there yet. Gotcha. Yes. 
All right. More talk than action. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, any big surprises that have happened in the last quarter or so or anything that we thought when the new tax code passed that we're now finding out, oops, gotcha. <laughs> well, it would, you know, <laughs> anything like that or is it is it all pretty much okay? Well, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if my phone is beeping back at me, guys, so hopefully I'm not repeating myself out there. But, You're doing well. Um, okay, good. Uh, and to answer your question, I think one of, a few of, the, few of the changes, um, they're in the middle of auditing uh, some of the tax changes, and there is a, an internal audit the IRS does to find out how these exactly happen, child credit. One of the big ones that are um, the new alimony rules went into play. And um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I actually sent this over to you or not, John. I was reading some articles last night, and I found it really interesting. They had done an audit back in 2010, and they found out that $93 billion had not been reported in the year of the audit. I should say the audit was done in 14 for the year of 2010, and they said underreported alimony was $93 billion. Um, now, keep in mind, up until this current year, alimony was taxable to the person receiving it, and it was a tax deduction to the person paying it. Um, so it, it may lead you to wonder or at least try to explain why the IRS was looking for or the government was looking for better ways of uh, maybe collecting taxes on that money. So, um, again, not necessarily um, but a surprise, but it was that's a lot of money. I did not realize we had so many underreported uh, alimony payments in the world. That is a phenomenal number. So are we saying now, under current tax law for 2019, that alimony, both sides of it, it can't be deducted and is not reported also as income on the other side? Or what was that again? No. Um, actually, what it, it comes down to, if you if you have divorced as of December or January of 2018, I think it was, alimony is no longer taxable to the person receiving and is no longer a tax deduction to the person paying. If you were divorced prior to that day, you are still legally responsible for paying tax on the alimony and it is still a tax deduction to the person paying it. But I think what their plan is, like anything else, over time, less and less people will be receiving alimony that are under the old rule, and eventually it will fall off the, the book so that they won't have such a large deficit um, in that situation. Gotcha. All right. So as we talk about, you know, the fun thing to talk about in the tax business is tax credits. Can I get a credit or can I get a deduction here or whatever it is? And one of the things that we hear a lot about, especially from home improvement folks, uh, even from heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, uh, roofing contractors is, you know, the solar credit and, you know, what qualifies and what doesn't. And, you know, there's a limit in terms of the dollars you can spend or uh, there was a big, you know, sort of push under the Obama administration, green, 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 and going to get you a lot of solar credits. Just kind of wondered, where are we on that now? Yes, it did survive the initial cut. It is 30 percent for 2019. But if you're pondering solar or not, it is going to drop to 26% in 2020. Um, and this means that for each $1,000 you qualify for solar credits, um, you'll be about $40 less. So um, 
you know, if you're going to do it, if it's a matter that, hey, I really want to go solar, I've just been kind of dragging my feet. I went and visited my brother in Laguna, uh, California. He has got a, a solar, uh, big solar panels and, and works off the solar. He loves it. Uh, of course, we are saying California versus Tennessee, maybe more sunshine. Uh, but um, he, you know, he qualified for the, the solar credit. So, it's, I mean, if you're going to put $30,000 in and you can save 30%, which is $9,000, that is a sweet refund against the investment that you want to do anyway. Yeah, that's huge. And is that dollar for dollar off the top when they say, like in that example, you're using the 9000 Yeah, this is a credit. So it is not a deduction. It is a credit, a dollar for dollar. Good job, John. Uh, hey, I learned from you, don't I? <laughs> now folks here's the phone number we are live and when we say live on the dr friday show that means you call now and you get an answer to your question now number to call 615-737-wwtn 615-737-9986 we say call now because in another about 47 minutes we're going to be gone and sometimes people say well i'm going to call here in a few minutes and then you know the hour gets away from you so any question at all, doesn't matter what it is, call now. Now, I'm not really sure about electric vehicles, if that, they're really going to catch on, Dr. Friday, until, you know, they get to the point where the batteries could take you maybe like a full tank of gas would. Because I always thought, hey, if I got an electric car and didn't have it charged up and say I had to go 140 miles, say some emergency or something <laughs> like that, and only had enough electricity for 100, I mean, you're just out of luck. So, you know, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, eventually the batteries, just like they do in cell phones, will get better. It might be some time. But what about for those who say, well, you know, I'm never. Of course, when somebody says never, there's always, I I never say never because you never know. But uh, they, you know, people who drive maybe 50 miles a day or it's 75 or something like that. What is the plug-in electric vehicle credit or is it even around anymore? Has it been phased out or what's going on there? Yes. So I was, I I am exactly the same way, John. I am not a person that's going to ponder, well, will I be within the miles of my vehicle or not? Because we're so used to just, well, if I need petrol, I need petrol, right? I mean, I can keep going. Um, My sister does drive the fully electric Tesla in uh, the person Laguna Niguel. So, um, and, and it's a good car. So, if you are interested, because I know a lot of friends of mine have talked, I've even thought about looking at a Tesla, but I just can't see myself plugging in and not having the ability to go anywhere if I have to wait two hours or something for my car to charge. But so 2018 was the full credit. That was the last year of it. 2019, we're in the phase out. So if you buy a Tesla right now, um, you're going to end up with about $3,750, um, perhaps in the first six months of the year. Then it will drop to about $1,875. It'll be gone at the end of this year, by, by the end of 2019. And the, the test is there has to be, uh, if there's 200,000 vehicles or more on the road, it becomes a non-tax credit. So uh, they have basically hit that number. So if you're pondering it right now, I would say you're probably out of luck with getting a tax credit on the Tesla. Wow. Okay. There are a couple other ones, but um, you have to, there is a website um, and, and it's on the IRS website. There are some cars that are there that are still out there that would apply for it. And when you do get the full credit, it is something like $7,500 or something like that. So it is well worth um, the credit if you really are into electric cars and you're going to buy it anyways. I always say you have to want to buy it anyways because no one wants a credit. I'm not going to spend $60,000 to save seven. That would be silly. 
Absolutely. Um, so, you know, if you want to do it and it's something you want, then saving seven is just a gift. Now, I don't, I don't think I know anybody who has a 100% electric, you know, electric vehicle. You may, with all the clients you deal with. Do you have anybody that takes that deduction? I did. And, and in fact, my, my brother took it last year, and I had about three other clients. They all purchased Teslas in 2018. Wow. The full electric one. All right. Two, so. and three, my three clients are in Tennessee, and one of them I met not too long ago, and they're already ready to kind of sell it. It was, it was their second vehicle. They thought it would be really fun to have. And they just found out that it wasn't, you know, all the bells and whistles wasn't as exciting as they thought it would be. But uh, they, they said it's a wonderful car. They said it's a great car, just not necessarily for them. Gotcha, folks. You're listening to the Dr. Friday Show. John Haggard here in the studio. And uh, we've got about 44 minutes to go. Any questions at all that you have about taxes right now, jump on 737-WWTN-737-99-86. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how. Dr. Friday had a client who owed over $1 million in back taxes to the Internal Revenue Service. She got it settled for less than or right about at $100,000. And there are a number of stories like that. You'll learn more when we come back on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. And back live we are, segment number two, the Dr. Friday Show, live from America's Music City. John Haggard in the studio, the Dr. Friday, and enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service on the phone with all the advice, answering your questions at 737-WWTN-737-9986. Now is the time to call. Before we went to break, I told you this, and we'll tell you how. As an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service does not work for... The IRS, folks, just understand that because some people say, I won't talk to the IRS. Well, that's why you need an enrolled agent with the IRS. That's Dr. Friday. Now, for Dr. Friday to get that certification, she doesn't just fill out a form and send in 100 bucks or something. Uh, she's got to do a lot of continuing ed, and there are some very strict requirements to get that done. But one of the things that she does do, you know, I was telling you about this person that owed over a million dollars. Now, you may not over a million. Maybe it's 100000 you owe or eight or I don't know what the number is. But, you know, Dr. Friday, we hear these offers and they'll, we'll really start to hear them coming up here in about another month about these companies that if you owe all this money to the Internal Revenue Service, you call us and we're going to do all this for you and we're going to reduce all this money. And, you know, there was a national scam several mm-hmm. years back that was uh, shut down by um, – by the feds that, you know, they were taking money and doing nothing. But in it's just its simplest, shortest form. When somebody says, you know, they owed over a million dollars and you got it settled for about a hundred thousand, it almost sounds mm-hmm. like too good to right. be true. And most things that sound too good are. So how did that work? How did you do that? Well, in that particular case, and this is the case with many other people that initially come in, the person was not in compliance, which just basically means the IRS has already assessed, based on 1099s and things, turned in his taxes with zero deductions, zero um, claiming him single, not married, etc., because he never filed. So once we filed the taxes and got the actual true information out there, then it dropped his taxes drastically. Um, and, and then, you know, he, he had a, some hardships, so we were able to get a few things uh, waived as far as penalties and things. But, but so it, it's not magic, to be quite honest. It is really just doing the numbers and making sure that it works. I mean, not everybody. In fact, 
a very small number of people, when you really think about everybody that files and does taxes, can really get a true offer and compromise when you hear this 10 cents to the dollar thing. I mean, I do them all the time, but you know, some people they may owe fifty thousand and they get get it down to twenty thousand. That's still a heck of a savings, but you know, it's not ten cents on the dollar. So, um, and then I have people that owed seventy four thousand and got as low as twenty five dollars. So it is different for every single situation, and most of those situations are if you're getting that kind of really good deal, you don't own real estate, you are working at a minimum pay job or retired. Um, your assets are very, very limited, um, and and then there were, there's nothing for the IRS to really come against, and therefore you qualify for you know what they call an offer and compromise. And I think, like you've said before, let's say someone's got a you know eight hundred and forty dollar uh, payment on a car, and you know living in a rich area of um, mm-hmm. the city, and got a little bit of equity in that house. Maybe, say maybe maybe not very much because they're over leveraged, but they got all these. Maybe they got right. two cars, and they got this and that. Can the IRS make you say, look, you know what? You don't need an $840 a month car payment. You go get you one for 300 and you sell that thing. Well, the IRS basically has a plan for you, and yes. So here was, here's what it comes down to. They, they allow a car payment within means. So if you're driving a Mercedes that's costing you, like you say, $800 a month, unless you can prove that your job, like maybe a high-end real estate agent or something needs to have a particular image. We may be able to argue that. Um, Otherwise, you know, there's really no need for you to have that. They're going to suggest that you sell that vehicle. Or what they're going to do is an ad back. So they're going to say, we're going to say that you can have a car for $350 a month with an average car. And the difference, you're going to have to find a way of paying us because we're going to say that you need to pay us $1,000 a month at your income bracket. You can't afford it. And, I mean, just like private school for your kids. That's a choice. That's a luxury. That is not something that the IRS says is, a, is, a, is available because you don't pay the IRS, but yet your child could go to private school. No, it doesn't work that way. That's what public schools are for. If you, you know, I mean, so there are many things that you may consider a necessity that the IRS will look at you like you're a bit crazy and saying, no, that's not going to fly. We'll give you, you know, 12 months to, to, uh, re-eval- you know, rechange your life or, or to get out of the car or whatever it is. And then we're going to come back and we're going to, you know, impose this. And meanwhile, they're going to impose penalties and interest on that loan. So that they have. when you call the IRS, you've probably got a special, what I would call a back number, I guess, you know, a special number <laughs> to, get in do they when they first hear you do they say oh it's you again (laughs) (laughs) we do have uh thank god we have a tax practitioner hotline so people that do uh taxes um anyone that has a 2848 um or an 8821 power of attorneys anyways on somebody um you can use the tax practitioner hotline as long as the person is not in collections unfortunately 90% 90% of the time someone comes into mine is because they've received a love letter saying that they've either intended to levy, they want to put a lien against the payroll, they've levied the bank account, you know, so collections has already started and therefore I am on the same exact number that you are um, or anybody else. They did not given us the ability to, uh, the, you know, have our own operators to help with collections, which would be really sweet because we could probably resolve a lot of things faster than um, if we didn't have to wait quite so long. So, but so, yeah, that's, 
we so we do pretty much have the same phone numbers you do unless it's just ordinary questions and then we do have a practitioner line all right so folks if you are in trouble with the internal revenue service maybe you haven't filed in the last five years ten years uh, what's the longest case you've ever had dr friday where someone came in and said well i have not filed in x years 28 years 28 years 28 years. 28 years. Wasn't that long ago. Yep. He has came in, filed when he was in his uh, early 20s. You can imagine where he's at now, in his late 40s, early 50s almost. Um, And he has not filed a tax return since. And the IRS has filed some. But this gentleman, most of the time, in all fairness, he was self-employed. So, you know, um, my my self-employed individuals pretty much just trying to stand on their radar so he did have some 1099s, but not very many, because the type of business he was in was more to residentials. So bottom line is the government really had no idea. And the only reason I think he came into me was because he was getting married and wanted to buy a house, and you need tax returns to do that. Wow. So, And we really only go back 10 years unless there is existing tax issues. Gotcha. So we don't usually seven to 10 years. We don't even, you know, even in his case, I would not have went 20 years unless the IRS had an open case on an earlier tax situation. Gotcha. Great answers, folks, to questions that you might have just like that. So, you know, that's that's what you want Dr. Friday for. And the number to call, 737-WWTN, 737-9986. Now, just one other question, because I think there's a little bit of confusion on this one, Dr. Friday, and that is we all do remember the Affordable Care Act requiring individuals to have health insurance. And some people said, well, you know what? It's going to cost me more money. If I, if I do that Obamacare, it's going to cost me 500 bucks a month, so that's 6000 a year. I'd just rather pay the fine. And I guess some people did. Do you still have to now? Okay, so you're right. There is a little confusion on that because the, the penalty itself is gone. But many people are still in what we call the marketplace, the Obamacare, where you call in and they have provided you health insurance and they pay a portion of your life and your health insurance um, for you. If you are in the marketplace, that penalty or that um, payback situation, so it's always based on your prior year income. So if you make more money in 2019 than you did in 18, you could end up still doing a payback to the marketplace or to Obamacare. So um, if you are still there, you will still have a 1095A. You will still have to file that form. You will still need to make sure you're accountable. And every year you have to still provide them your tax return to do, you know, to stay uh, within the mandates. So even though there isn't really the penalty, um, you don't, there is no longer the requirement to have to have health insurance for employee uh, for everyday individuals. Now, most of the mandates are still in play for employers. If you have 50 or more employees, um, all those kind of mandates, those all still exist as far as providing health insurance and all that. So really the only thing that came or was removed from the current uh, law is the penalty for individuals that did not have health insurance. You will not have a penalty this year on your tax return. Okay. So again, just for clarity now, if you were still in the marketplace and you're still, you know, under that plan, you you, you got to file right. that form and so forth, but is there any penalty possibility whatsoever? 
Well, it's not really a penalty, but there is a payback. So let's say you told them you're going to make $20,000 and you ended up making $30,000. You may owe back. I had people last year, two cases I know of. One had to pay back Obamacare $12,000. One had to pay back $18,000. Oh, my god! Because they each, in both of their cases, they actually sold real estate, not thinking about that being as income, but according to Obamacare or the, the, the way they do your thing, it is income. So in both of their cases, they had to actually pay back every dollar that they were given in the Obamacare situation. Wow. So, you know, so again, it's not so much that you got a new job, but what if you did actually, you know, not actually, but you decided to sell a piece of real estate or um, maybe some stock, something like that, that kicks your income into a different bracket. And you don't think about it because you're thinking, oh, I have to worry about his income. And boom, they end up penalizing it. I mean, this was a big chunk of money that nobody knew about really until we prepared the taxes. Another reason, folks, why you need Dr. Friday for the advice. Because if you're thinking about doing something, you know, things mm-hmm. that you do can affect your taxes. You're, well, I didn't realize you were going to do that. You mean I got to <laughs> pay that? Yeah, you do. Uh, exactly. And one thing about IRS, if you will, and that is this. These folks, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, they work for IRS. I hate those people, blah, blah, blah. Do you realize that it's Congress who passes the laws, the IRS employees, all they do is to enforce the law? Now, I know there's some, you know, bad eggs in there like there are everywhere else. We remember Lois Lerner and some folks like that. But, uh, you know, generally they're just enforcing the law that your electorate, you know, your elected politicians, (laughs) oh, my goodness, uh, you know, have passed up there. So we do, you know, yep. just in all fairness to the IRS, because, I mean, you know, there are a lot of good people that work there. So when we come back, Absolutely. yeah, we're going to talk to Masio, who's got an IRA question. We're T-minus 27 minutes to go. That means jump on the phones now to get the answers to your tax questions and maybe some advice on should I do this or not or wait until next year about something you're trying to do that could impact how much you're going to pay. All right, phone number 737 737- WWTN 737-9986. John Haggard in the studio. Dr. Friday on the telephone with all the answers for you and your phone calls. They're all next on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Allman Brothers Band. Feel like I'm on a rock and roll radio station. 235 Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Isn't that a great record, Dr. Friday? I love that record. It is awesome. I love that kind of music. I'm going to tell you what, that was some of the best years of music ever in the history of mankind and womankind. The Allman Brothers Band. All right, back to the phone calls we go as promised. You're on the Dr. Friday Show live from Nashville. Let me tell you this real quickly before we do go to the phones, and that is if you are ever outside the area, the listening area of this radio station, if you download that iHeart app on your smartphone and just enter WWTN, you can listen to the Dr. Friday Show anytime on Saturdays from 2 to 3 or any program on this radio station. Let's bring Edmacio on to the Dr. Electric Show. Hey, Edmacio, you're on the air. Yes, hello. I have a question. Uh, if my wife is not working, she doesn't have an income, can she still open an IRA? Are you, are you working? Yes. Okay. So a husband can contribute to his wife's uh, IRA. So if you're making more than um, $12,000, you can put six in for you and six in for her. Um, so yes, I mean, she can still have an IRA, but you would have to contribute the money from your earnings. 
I mean, okay. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. Family income. So as long as your earnings reflect higher than what's what's being contributed, you're fine. Okay. Okay. That was my question. Thank you. All right. Oh, appreciate you. the uh, phone call. You know what? One of the most, um, I think, very, very difficult, hard to understand when it comes to deductions, in my opinion, and I'm a simple guy, but I just try to read the black and white on this, medical deductions. Gracious, that's that is. Uh, it's just has anything changed there? And is there any simple way that you could explain what I get and what I don't? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, it is more complicated now in some ways, and I think they're trying to simplify it in fairness to the new tax law. So, as we know, as a single person, I have a standard deduction a little over twelve thousand dollars. Um, I have to meet um, 10% of my adjusted gross income to get a dollar of my medical. So let's use easy numbers. I make $100,000, so I first have to make I first have to have more than $10,000 in medical before I'll even get a dollar. And then, assuming that I don't have a mortgage or anything like that, I'd have to have more than 12,000 to even get a dollar to even into my tax return. So you're looking at, for a single person that doesn't own their home, probably somewhere around $22,000 of medical would be needed before, in the scenario that you're making $100,000, um, would we be made to, to even get a dollar? So, wow. you know, it, it is. Now, the good news is, I mean, what some people forget is, so if you are a person that has to take prescriptions, for example, and um, uh, you, you have to drive to Walgreens or whatever. So miles for medical is a tax deduction, a way of helping you get over that initial, um, tax deduction. So you've got your miles to the doctor, miles to the, to the pharmacist, um, miles to the eye doctor, miles to the dentist, whatever those all may add up to. And the many times that you may have to do, and don't forget your eye doctor and don't forget your dentist. Cause a lot of times people really think about medical as doctors and prescriptions uh but you know most people at least do once a year eye exams and dental exams and um you know some some of those kind of things so you want to have that as a whole package my suggestion and i know a lot of people i like to keep my clients i hate to say this but trained um because the tax law we have right now 2025 it will disappear we could go back to the standard deductions we had before and then more people may be itemizing so don't get in the habit of oh i can't do it now whatever you do for taxes my suggestion is a bit of uh wisdom shared here always do it every year put together a folder or a manila envelope put all your receipts in it for the year anything to do with medical anything i mean some people still count sales tax even though you might not use it for the next couple of years, it is always a good habit to have all your tax documents in the same place every year, the same way you've always done it. So just don't um, don't get too lazy in the new system that says, oh, well, I can't do this and I can't do that because some 2025, your tax person may be asking you for something different and you're like, oh, wait, I didn't know I could do that, where every year you may be bringing it to me. I may say I don't need it, but it's still there for us to make sure we have. Good advice on that. T-minus 19 minutes to go. T-minus 19. That means jump on the phones now, get the answers. You know, this stuff is complicated, folks, and here's the way I look at it. Why not go ahead and get the advice and the knowledge about it before you do it? And that way, maybe, you'll make a decision that will save you 
a lot of tax implications and, and dollars that you will pay that you wouldn't normally have to pay. So, you know, always always best to, what do they say, foresight's better than hindsight or something like that. All right, 737-WWTN, 737-9986, call now. You hear me? <laughs> we want you to get all the, all the best advice you can possibly get, and it's free, so why not? <laughs> hey, you know, another thing that seems to change every year or every third year, second year, first year, I don't know. Another one that's kind of confusing is that thing they call the standard deduction. So <laughs> could you update us on that, Dr. Friday? Absolutely. Okay, so we did have a big change from 2017 to 2018. We had one of the big tax changes went from a standard deduction for an individual from about $63.50 to $12,000. Married couple doubled that, so they were around $12,400, and they're at $24,300 or $24,200. So that's the standard deduction, and like we were talking about, to be able to itemize, we still have the sales tax um, and the property taxes, but they put a maximum on that. So why is that so important? You're asking me? Well, I'm going to tell you because I used to play this little game where every other year I itemized because my property taxes and sales tax and mortgage interest, I wasn't always able to do it every year. But what I would do is I pay my property taxes twice, once in January, once in December, every other year. I would give all my charity contributions in the same year and then, of course, pay my standard mortgage. And so when I did that, I was able to kind of maximize my itemizing against my standard deduction. And when that stopped, because they turned around and said, you know what, we're going to put a limit on sales tax and property taxes of $10,000. Well, that wasn't really good for someone like myself because my property taxes doubled up, was almost maximizing that number without adding back in my, my allowable sales tax every year. So now I have a limit of 10000 So I really stopped doing that. And I and not really itemizing as much as I was able to unless something big comes up. And so I'm just saying the new law, the itemizing has changed. I think it will work for many people. Um, just like any other tax law, it doesn't work for everybody. So um, if you're from another state, I have a brother that lives, I talked earlier about Steve that lives in California. His wife and him ended up leaving $28,000 on the table for, for the salt because California taxes are high. Wow, and nice. with ten thousand dollar limit for their 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 income tax as well as their property tax, that's a lot of money they ended up leaving on the table. And you know, again, it's not going to work for everybody. But I did see a lot of people that actually benefited from the new tax law. So um, really, just learning to work the system the best you can and making sure you not caught having to pay taxes is the important part of that conversation. And right, and that's why we say, folks, for Doctor Friday, you know. You just need to get the advice before you make a mistake because why leave money on the table or whatever the situation is. Yeah. So her number, by the way, 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819 if you want to call her during the week. Or you go on the website, drfriday.com, drfriday.com. Again, foresight, better than hindsight <laughs> save yourself some money honey <laughs> okay exactly. let's get that done now you're on a roll so i'm going to keep asking you these questions because these are the things that people want to know about yeah. here's something else we know about retirement contributions seem to go up a little bit each year and all this kind of stuff so what's the current deal on iras and for those who are self-employed they call them the seps uh what do we got working for 2019 
That's a great question. Um, let's see what I can give you for that one, because, you know, it would be really good to know. So, uh, okay, here we go. So, a married filing jointly, that's the standard deduction. <laughs> ah, it's up. $56,000. It's up about $1,000 from 2018. This is one of those things that um, kind of depends. And what is a step just for individuals that are listening? That's a self-employed um, employment uh, savings account. So, and it's a little bit better than an IRA. IRAs are, are uh, what, $6,000 in 2019. And I think the catch-up makes it seven if you're over the age of 50. Um, but with the, the SEP, what's nice is if you're self-employed and you want to be able to put a little bit more aside than just what you can put in an IRA, that is the way to go. It's kind of the uh, 401k of the self-employed even though we, we can always put a little bit more in than they can. So that's always nice, too. So um, so you have 50, 56000 maximum, and then you also have 6000 for the IRA for people under the age of 50 and $7,000 for people over the age of 50. All right, you heard it right there, folks. Got about 14 minutes more of advice coming your way. T-minus 14. If you've got a last-minute question, right now, jump on the phone, 737-WWTN, 737-9986. John Haggard in the studio. Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent with the Internal Revenue Service, and no, she doesn't work for the IRS. Enrolled agent means that she can represent you in front of and on your behalf, the IRS, just like an attorney represents you in a court of law. Phone calls are next here on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Operation, bookkeeping, or payroll, that's what Dr. Friday Tax and Financial Firm does. We help small businesses get organized and stay in compliance. Again, call me at 615-367-0819. It may not be stomach issues. For me, it's intense gas or pain or diarrhea, sometimes all at once, over and over. I spent years with the symptoms but could never figure it out. No matter what I did, they never went away. So I decided to break it down for my doctor and get really specific about my symptoms. We discovered that exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, may be the reason for my stomach issues. EPI is caused by my pancreas. It leads to diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. The symptoms just don't go away. But EPI can show up with even one symptom. The good news? EPI is manageable. But to get to the right diagnosis, you have to break it down for your doctor and get specific about the severity of your symptoms. Visit IdentifyEPI.com to learn more and use the symptom checker to help change the conversation with your doctor. Brought to you by AbbVie. Brought to you by Dr. Friday Tax and Financial Firm. For tax services, planning, business, and IRS negotiation, call 615-367-0819 or at drfriday.com. Back live, we are the final 10 minutes of the Dr. Friday Show. Today on Super Talk 99.7 WTN, going to go to the phone lines and bring Ron onto the Dr. Friday Show. Ron, you're on the air. So, talking about hey, Ron. the SEP and I... Hi. <laughs> you were talking about the SEP and IRA. Can you do yeah. both if you have an SEP? Can you also do an IRA on top of that? Or are you still limited to the same $56,000 or whatever it was? Well, it would it would limit you if, if you're able to maximize the SEP. That means you're making over two hundred and thirty-five thousand, which would mean you could not qualify for an IRA as well. 
Okay. Thank you. No problem. All right, simple, uh, quick answer to that. Absolutely it was. <laughs> you know, another thing that uh, we had a lot more of before, and maybe it's as big now and continues to get bigger, I'm not sure, but health savings accounts, known as HSAs, are those still uh, in vogue, as it were, or what's the deal on them? I would say they should be. I have one. I still love them. I love the idea of paying for my medical with pre-tax dollars and the ability to write off up to, in my case, a little over $3,500 a year of uh, my contributions to my HSA. So I get the tax deduction along with when I spend the money in my HSA, it is actually tax-free dollars. So, um, you know, it, it just is a win-win situation, and my health insurance is much lower than ordinary, so I can control my own spending to a point at least. You don't always have all the choices, but, you know, um, so, you know, I, I pay less than $150 a month for health insurance, and then I can maximize my HSA. It is a high deductible health insurance, so mine is like $2,500, the first $25 I have to pay. But I have that in the HSA, and it's already tax-free dollars. So it's, I don't know why more people um, don't. I, I Most of mine or many of my um, clients that are entrepreneurs, we have – kind of moved uh you know towards that kind of thing because well to be quite honest entrepreneurs are really bad about going to doctors most of the time because they're so busy trying to build their businesses so having a savings account is kind of nicer than having it spent in medical insurance that they don't use as often as they probably should so um you know i'm, I'm sure there's some people out there that are more of an expert than myself on it but from the tax standpoint hsas are very good investments all right, and since most good things, sooner or later, come to an end, is there an age that you reach where you cannot contribute to an HSA? Of course. Always a limitation to, like you say, all good things must come to an end. Um, the year in which you take Medicare, um, so if you wait till your, I think, was it 65, 66, whatever year you start taking your Medicare, you no longer can contribute to an HSA, but the money that you have saved up in your HSA, and I have people that have thirty and forty thousand dollars in their HSAs, can still be spent on medical procedures. So you don't lose the money that's in the HSA; you do get to use it for medical purposes still, and have the uh, the tax exclusion like you always did. But you can no longer contribute to it. All right, now can you use if you are in that? situation, can you use the HSA money to pay the Medicare premium, or is it only for procedures? No, you can use it for premiums. Good deal. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good deal. So it's if you've got... Win, you know, you cannot do that while you're, in, while you're contributing to your HSA and paying for your other premiums before retirement. But once you hit retirement and you want to use it for your secondary um, insurance coverage or something like that, since Medicare usually comes out of your Social Security, um, you can use your um, HSA funds to pay for that secondary insurance. All right, folks, there's really some good, good, idea. good news there. Back to the phone lines we go, and let's bring Candy onto the Dr. Friday Show. Candy, you're on the Candy. air. Good afternoon. I have a question about missing the repayment of 60 day uh, withdrawal. Hey, Candy, you're, you're breaking up there a little bit. Are you on a speakerphone, Candy, by chance? I am. Hold on just a minute. Okay. I'm going to move and get off the speaker. 
I'm in my car. All right, don't do anything illegal if you're in the state of Tennessee, because yeah. I don't think you can <laughs> have that. <laughs> but we'll, you don't want to be caught calling. That's a, you, you forget that we're on a call-in show, and we have people listening to us are in a car, and they cannot use their phones any longer to call us. Um, so it makes it a little harder to get those call-ins. Um, but, uh, we'll see if it's... Let's see. Are, did you already pull over there, Candy? Because I think we may have lost you. Um, why don't you give us a shout back real quickly, if you can, and we'll see if we can get you on very quickly because yeah. we're almost out of time, and maybe we'll sometimes we'll hit another cell tower and something will be good. Hey, how about those federal tax brackets, Dr. Friday? Are we going to get some more money in 2019? we going to get some more back, or what's going on there? John, I love your uh, I love your attitude. There's always hope <laughs> when I hear you talking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how, how do I tell you this? Yeah, not going to be a lot of extra um, situation. I mean, oh. obviously, um, the federal tax brackets, um, you know, you, you saved about 2% from 2018 uh, going into the, the 20, uh, 2017, going into 2018. The tax code is the exact same for 18 to 19, so there should not be any ad- uh, adjustments, uh, to my understanding. Um, there is... Uh, Right now is the time, though, to consider if you are in the higher tax brackets and you're wanting to um, move money or do something specific, you're going to want to consider doing that possibly now because obviously we are in a lower tax bracket than we will be in five years. All right. Now, you know, do you ever get, because uh, it's hard to know these days with all the emails out there, if you are in some trouble have not been con- contacted by the IRS, would they send you an email saying, hey, we're looking at this tax return and uh, you need to call in here quicker. We're going to come get you. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I get the phone calls where people say I've received the call or I have an email here from the IRS. But the answer is 90% of the time, the IRS won't even call you unless it's a local agent. They will never email you ever. The IRS is it's outside of their policy. They will mail you, and if a letter looks suspicious, if it doesn't seem correct, don't call the phone number on the letter. Call the regular Internal Revenue Service. If you're not sure, you can always call my office. We'd be more than glad to give you a main number that you can call. But you do want to make sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong, even if you owe the IRS, and this is the ones that get the, the, the most worked up over these things because they already know they have a balance due and they're afraid, and these people take big advantage of that situation by telling them that they have, you know, minutes or or an hour to get the money to them or they'll come with the police and knock on their door or they're going to seize their their homes or levy their paychecks, whatever. Um, And I'm not saying some of these things the IRS cannot do, but I'm going to say that there is a pecking order the IRS uses and they don't just email you or phone call you and make you do it. It is a number of letters that has to be sent to you. Um, and there are policies in which we can use to stop those. As simply as making a payment plan can stop that from happening. All right, folks. Well, a lot of great advice on the Dr. Friday show that you've heard today. So if you did not get on the air, let me give you Dr. Friday's phone number. Would you like that? Here we go. 615 0815 I'm sorry so 615-367-0819 see we do a lot of numbers around here so we got so many numbers going. <laughs> and on the website for Dr. Friday here it is drfriday.com that's drfriday.com and always email friday at drfriday.com 
Com. Did you know that 1,000 years from today you will be alive? The question is where? Did you know that many people are just 12 inches away from heaven? That's the distance from their head to their heart. They believe in Jesus Christ in their mind, but they have never accepted him in their heart. The biggest decision you will ever make in your life is where you are going to spend an eternity, and the good news is you get to choose where. If you don't know if you're going to go to heaven, I can help you settle it right now. Just say after me, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I proclaim you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. God willing, we'll see you next week, everybody. Blessings from the Dr. Friday Show, Super Talk 99.7 WTN.